Good morning, and thank you for joining me once again as we continue this series uh, from Unbelief to Belief, uh, a series that we hope will be an encouragement to you and actually uh, maybe uh, a bit of a, a tool, uh, something that you can use uh, in reaching others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've got a Bible and it's handy, it's a convenient time, uh, open it to the book of Romans chapter 3. Uh, verse 23 through 26, as we continue to think about uh, what might, we might be, what might be called the implications of the gospel or the implications of the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we've tried to emphasize uh, that the, the gospel is absolutely essentially rooted in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And so... Um, uh, in his death on the cross, there were certain things that were accomplished. And one of them is mentioned here by the Apostle Paul. And it's one of those big fancy theological words. I think it's always worth uh, remembering words such as this. But in his death on the cross, Jesus Christ propitiated the wrath of God. Uh, that is, that the wrath of God was expressed as it should be expressed, uh, as sin would be deserved, but it was poured out not on the sinner, but it was poured out on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that wrath that rightly must be expressed because, again, sin deserves to be punished, was poured out on Jesus Christ. He suffered our just punishment. Justice demands that evil be punished. And so Jesus propitiated the wrath of God. He satisfied the, the wrath of God. And uh, the, the language is from uh, the Old Testament, and Old Testament imagery and Old Testament practice. So propitiation is translation of halasmos, which has reference to the mercy seat, that which covered the Ark of the Covenant. And it was sprinkled uh, with uh, the blood of the sacrifice uh, so that, again, uh, God would see the blood rather than seeing uh, the law as that which his people had violated. They had broke covenant uh, with him. And so let's look at uh, Romans 3.23 and following. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so uh, Romans 3.23 is uh, often kind of a, a launching point for evangelistic uh, presentations, particularly personal evangelistic presentations, uh, that uh, no one is ready for a Savior until they recognize that they have sinned or that they are sinners. And so the universal indictment of Scripture, and it's not unique uh, to this passage here, is that we are guilty before God, that we have uh, sinned, and that uh, Jesus Christ uh, is the sole means by which we may be made right with God or made right uh, before God. Again, the, the word used in verse 24 is that we are justified by His grace. That is, God uh, was motivated uh, to account as 
not guilty, those who are actually guilty based on the performance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, uh, justice demands that sin be punished, that God simply can't say, well, you know what, I, I, I know I said all of this and that sin was going to be punished and the wages of sin is death and you know if my law is violated, uh, uh, the guilty will be held accountable. But you know what, I'm just in a better mood today and I think that I'm just going to let all these things slide. Well, God doesn't work that way because God is perfect. His word must be fulfilled and that uh, his character, uh, cannot he cannot lie and he cannot let sin slide. And so he is rightfully angry about sin. He, he is rightfully wrathful about sin, and it is right for a God who is infinitely and perfectly holy uh, to be angry about sin, about that which is a violation of both his stated will and, again, an offense to his character. And so uh, this wrath, uh, this punishment, uh, was poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore in his death when he pronounced it was finished it meant that the wrath of God uh, due to those who would believe was poured out on him and completely exhausted uh, in him on the cross. Uh, there is no more wrath left for the believer. It was poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is great good news. Now notice how I said that. Uh, it is not God's wrath for those that remain in their unbelief. It is God's wrath for those who will believe. It is God's wrath for the elect. It is, again, a reminder of the definite effectiveness of the atoning work of Christ, that God's wrath remains to be poured out on those who are unrepentant and unbelieving. Uh, but it has been resolved because it was fully poured out, it was fully exhausted uh, for each and every person who would believe in uh, the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And in sin actually being punished in the righteous one, in the perfect Lamb of God, then God's righteousness remains intact. It, uh, his righteous demands have been met, namely for uh, punishment. He is still the just one, the infinitely perfect just one, and he is one who can pronounce as just those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He can acquit justly those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because the sentence was carried out by our substitute, the second Adam, the second person of the Trinity, the unique Son of God who entered our realm to fully obey God and suffer the consequences for our rebellion against God. Again, what great news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I pray that this is a blessing to your day. And I'll look forward to seeing you once again tomorrow.